Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to come to you on this August 6th of 2020 on this Thursday, literally uh, a day before Friday, before we go into the weekend. It's amazing how the days are going by and in such a fast manner as as, as we see the days are approaching and, and, and things happening. The days just seem to be flying by. And I think that all of this is a testimony to us that truly the coming of the Lord uh, is at hand. And that's why we we understand and and we pray that every time that we come to you, um, we come with the word of God, which is what we do, and that we hit the mark. Because I really believe that these are very urgent times in this matter. So we thank you. We thank you today for uh, joining us as we continue in our series that we've been on. This is actually now uh, at least, I would say, two weeks, right, brothers? Two weeks' yeah. worth of podcasts. It's been amazing, the things that we've been able to glean. And and yesterday, uh, you know, we, we hit uh, Matthew 24. and But we're going to continue in our series as we go forward. As always, it is a pleasure to be here with the uh, panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you uh, to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Yeah, amen. We had a good study yesterday. It was really kind of like a little side note there. We took a little detour as we've been looking and exploring uh, end-time prophetic events and mysteries that were hidden uh, that the great Apostle John wrote about in John chapter 20 and, and now 21. Uh, we're actually on our 16th podcast in this series, which is uh, a lot. I mean, we're well over we're well over 20 hours uh, in our study, and so <clears throat> we're coming to a conclusion of this of this though, and we're going to be looking uh, uh, where we left off last time. We we left off uh, with the disciples, and and Peter had come to the shore, and we talked about all those things. We encourage you to go back and look at that beautiful um, way in which John wrote. Uh, the historical narrative, concealing within the historical narrative of chapter 21, uh, the unfolding plan uh, of the end times and how uh, the Lord will call us to shore and will then come and serve us. He made them sit down as he said, come and dine. So we encourage you to go look at that. and, And that was the third time that he appeared to his disciples. And so we come now to, to the balance of, of chapter 21. We'll, we'll be, We'll be covering verse 15 through 19 in this uh, in this little study there. So we encourage you to get your Bibles out as we look at something that John records here uh, that I think will be a great encouragement, uh, blessing, and, and yet further insight into the things that uh, that just lie ahead. But with that in mind, we ask uh, Brother Jeremy, would you go ahead and uh, begin our study today in John chapter 21? Uh, beginning with the fifteenth uh, verse, could you read? Well, actually, start with the fourteenth verse, and if you would please read all the way to the seventeenth uh, verse, fourteen through seventeen, John twenty-one. As we begin our study today, in Jesus' name, we pray His blessing. Amen. Amen. This is now the third time that Jesus showed Himself to His disciples. After that, He was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? 
He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, you knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. My, my. Uh, <laughs> I don't need... I... There's so much beauty in what's about to transpire and what we see happen here. And and it's very interesting as we go into it. Like we said, we John points out that uh, when they came to the shore, uh, Jesus, in verse 13, he, he would bring bread and fish and he would minister to them, uh, a type of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then he goes on in verse 14, as Brother Jeremy's began, uh, revealing to us that it was the third time that Jesus had had appeared to his uh, the collection of his apostles, his disciples, and then he concludes uh, that that portion of the story. But then he starts off uh, in a very interesting way uh, as he goes in the next several verses, in verse 15 through 19, as he's coming to a close of his gospel, and he begins to draw our attention uh, back to uh, to Peter, and he gives us the account of of the Lord asking him three different times, um, do you love me? And I think John sets the tone here because as we've been talking about uh, the resurrection day is where we started these podcast series back in chapter 20. And uh, we talked about all that transpired in that 24-hour period. And we talked about uh, the Lord's appearance the first time to his to his disciples in, in the room where they were gathered with all the doors shut as it's described at the end of, of Resurrection Day. And uh, everyone was there except for Thomas. And then John talks about the second time he appeared, um, there was, uh, uh, th- this time, uh, Thomas is there eight days later, and Thomas acknowledges him along with the others as his Lord and his God. And then that brings the conclusion to chapter Twenty, and we go went into twenty one, and we discussed at length all the things that that John wrote beneath the layers of of the history that he accounted for, and how he revealed to us that the Lord appeared to them the third time, and all that that meant, and how that portrays uh, the days that are that, that we find ourselves in, really quite conceivably already beginning now, uh, and we won't go over those things at length any, uh, again as we've done. Uh, before we ask that you go back and listen, because I think you'll be incredibly blessed. But then he comes to the 15th verse, which is where Brother Jeremy began reading. And it's almost as if what the Holy Spirit is having him do, which I'm very glad that he did, he has him begin to cover, it's almost like some unfinished business here. And he draws our attention to Simon Peter. We we know that Peter uh, famously denied the Lord three times. And that denial uh, happened the night that Jesus 
was arrested and carried to trial. But in his denial uh, of the Lord, something so deep and so tragically in many ways um, occurred to him as an individual person, his failure, his absolute failure on the night that he had just previously, a few hours before, swore to the Lord and and to all those that were present at the time, uh, if everybody else forsakes you, I won't. And so <clears throat> what's interesting to us and what we want to look at today is how John begins uh, to lay out what the Lord did in asking him three questions. I mean, the obvious thing uh, in asking him three times, do you love me? It, it, it takes us back to thinking about the three times that he denied him. And and in in some sense, if you think about it, brothers, the denials of the Lord uh, were even at a deeper level because when the Lord finished the Passover meal and, and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, those of you familiar with the gospel story, you'll see how that the Lord separated his disciples into two groups. First, he took the eight and separated them at the entrance of the garden. And then he took the three, his leaders, uh, James and John and Peter. He took those three with him into the more inner part of the garden. And from there, he would even separate himself and go further and begin to pray and cry out to his father in the garden if there be any other way. And in that account of Jesus praying, the Bible tells us he prayed three times. And each time that he prayed, he, he got up and he went to Peter, James, and John, but primarily addressing Peter and telling them that they needed to wake up and to pray. So really, in some sort of sense, you know, and if you go look at the gospel accounts, you'll see that when, when the Lord would come from falling on his face and praying in the garden, he got up the first time. He basically directed, even though he was talking to all three of them, he directed most of his attention and his questioning to Peter. Could you not watch with me one hour, he told them. Could you not get up and, and pray with me for one hour? Um, right. You know, you were just a few hours before in the upper room talking about how if everybody forsook me, you wouldn't. And yet you can't even sit here and pray with me in my most loneliest of times here in this garden just hours away from being arrested and tried and crucified. It's incredible. Because when we dig into these things, we need to look at it from that perspective. Why would Jesus ask him these three questions? And why did John find it necessary to include it at the end of his gospel? And so there's things here that we want to look at. First and foremost in verse 15, and you guys jump in at any time as we go along, as always. Notice how interesting it is that John says in verse 15, when they had dined, right? It says, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter. So the attention is turned to them, uh, is to, our attention is turned to uh, after they had eaten. And, and it, it kind of evokes, right, thoughts in our mind of, of, of how John is setting the tone here, like we always have been talking, always, like we've been talking about in this podcast, podcast series, uh, John 
uh, writes so incredibly detailed. He points out the little things. And and in, in pointing out the little things, we can glean from that because he gleaned from it. It's why he included it in the way that he wrote. And so when he says, when they had dined, Jesus says to Simon Peter, and then he begins to ask him the questions, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? It's interesting he included that fact. He 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 seems to be causing us to go back in our spirits, in our mind, to that Passover night. Because when supper had ended, right, that's what it says in there, um, that that these questions are uh, during the supper or during the dining. But when it had ended, the Jesus reveals to Simon that he was going to betray him. And so Peter, uh, I mean, John seems to be taking our thoughts back to that, to that moment where 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 it was revealed to to Simon Peter at the at the Last Supper that he would deny the Lord three times. And and there he seems to connect it, spiritually speaking, by drawing our attention to the fact that it was after they dined that Jesus begins to ask Peter three separate times, do you love me? I just find that fascinating. <laughs> so anyway, like we said here, you know, to really get the intent of what, what has happened here and why John includes this, you know, let's just, let's just think a little bit here because uh, he begins to to really draw our attention between this this encounter between Jesus and Peter. One of the things that we'll see in what Brother Jeremy read from chapter 15 uh, through 17 is, is like we pointed out before, notice how John writes in verse 15. He says, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter. And, and so what we're seeing here in the way that John presents him, he's not calling him Peter. He's not calling him Simon. He's calling him, as we set the tone, uh, and presenting him in this way. And how he's presenting him is as a conflicted soul. You know, Jesus called him Peter when he, in Matthew 16, called him the son of the living God, right? He said, uh, blessed art thou. Simon Barjona, and then he changed his name from Simon Barjona to Peter. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, so forth and so on. And so when John records Peter, he records him many times. He'll record him as Simon Peter, or sometimes he'll just call him Peter, but there's reasons why. And so we can see here, by the way, that John ties the dining uh, uh, after they dined in verse 15, and then talks about how Jesus begins to address Simon Peter, he's letting us know that this is this is this is a resurrected Jesus that's interacting with Simon, and and a resurrected uh, Jesus that Simon Peter is interacting with himself, and so he's pointing out to us that even at this late date, even after three appearances, even after having his own private appearance, as we read earlier in our series on the road to Emmaus, it's revealed in that story. When Jesus went walking on the road with the two disciples, broke the bread and then vanished before them. When they came back, uh, it was revealed to them that the Lord had actually appeared to Simon personally after his resurrection. He had a personal appearance. The Apostle Paul confirms that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. And so you're saying, Brother Marty, why are you belaboring this point? Because I want you to see that even though he had had these experiences, even though he was there present when he came in the room, uh, 
uh, you know, that first day of the resurrection in the evening, even though he had had earlier that afternoon sometime a private appearance from the Lord. Uh, after all that, and then again, he sees him uh, in the room with Thomas. He sees him as the resurrected Lord, and they're hanging out, you know, as brothers in the Lord now. It's on the other side of the cross. <clears throat> it's on the other side of the, the tomb. He's the resurrected Lord. Yet when we get to this scene, having dragged the fish to the shore and having dined with the Lord, having jumped in the in the sea and swam his way to shore, as we read earlier uh, in our last uh, podcast, what we were looking at this story. Here we come to the end of the gospel, and it's, it's as if we're being told by the Holy Spirit there's some unfinished business here. Mm. And there's some things that we need to understand about the depth of failure and all that needs to be rectified. And I understand the Lord's just a few days from going back to heaven here. They've already been commissioned. They were told to go into Galilee and they would meet him there. But 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 we see within Peter something wasn't quite yet right. And I find this incredibly sad and at the same time I find hope in it. Right. And 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 what I see in it is this, brothers, is that is that there are people out there and and if you've never experienced it, I'm sure if you live long enough, I hope you don't, but if you do, uh you will at some time or another uh feel that you have you have done something or something that you have done has so affected you on the inside that that unless the Lord comes and rectifies the situation in the only way that he can uh you will forever carry that hidden pain and that hidden scar within within the deepest part of who you are mm. And what I what I draw what I draw beauty from uh, in this story is is this great apostle John the, the the one who Jesus loved the apostle of love they call him he he writes about what's about to happen here with that kind of sense in mind he's actually celebrating what's being done here by the Lord because when the Lord gets done with this process he'll no longer be called Simon he'll no longer be called Simon Peter the rest of the gospel he will always be known simply as Peter. And we'll see that. But what's beautiful is that it shows that the complete healing and the complete restoration of Peter occurred at this moment. And what's interesting as well is that it it, it still lends to us an understanding of just how deeply uh, the hurt, the pain, uh, the tragedy of any kind of failure, and it's and it's you know it's it's different for every individual, but but those who know and understand what we're talking about here, we can draw. Uh, we want to encourage you today, because while it is yet a prophetic event, and it is, uh, it is yet a very private and personal event as well. You know, I love the fact because this this what we're reading right here. It is uniquely recorded by John in his gospel, and and so it's it's very beautiful that he we weren't left with these, you know, assumptions that Peter just kind of made it through, or or Peter, you know, everything was cool with Peter. Imagine the fact that you see Jesus, you have an actual private encounter with the Lord, the resurrected Lord on Resurrection Day, but it wasn't enough. 
that blows my mind that it wasn't enough to fully heal him, even through all these things that he would go through in the next several days up until this point. And John wants us to understand that. This is serious business. This is the healing of the heart and of the mind. But it's more than just a personal and an emotional healing that was taking place here. It's an equipping for what the rest of his life was supposed to be about. And the Lord knew that he cannot carry this baggage with him into the ensuing birth of the church. He'll never be able to stand up on on the day of Pentecost and say, this is that, right? Uh, Because there's, there's some things here that needed to be done and dealt with first. And so he says, when they had dined, Jesus said to to Simon Peter, John calls him Simon Peter because he wants us to realize he's yet a conflicted soul. He has the possibility and the potential of being the rock, you know, the great man of faith upon which that kind of faith and declaration of, of the absolute assurity that Jesus is the son of the living God will build my church. And yet he's yet Simon. He's still that, that, that individual that's being healed he's in conflict yet even now even after the great miracle of the 153 fishes even after the 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 three appearances that he's been participating in and even the private appearance he had on the road uh, of Emmaus somewhere around that territory there um he's yet conflicted it's a beautiful thing to realize it's a painful thing have you ever been in a room or in a great service, or in a room with a bunch of believers, everybody's praising God, and, and you're praising God, and, and all of a sudden, there's that part of you that, that the enemy likes to tap into and, and, and bring you down. That's, what, that's yeah. what John's trying to say here. They've just had this great experience on the sea. I mean, Peter got so exuberant that he threw himself into the sea and swam to shore. Uh, when they caught this great catch to go be with his Lord. And yet, even now, he's after they dined and, and they're sitting there. They're sitting there with a resurrected human being. <laughs> right. With the, with the Lord of glory. But it's, it's Peter that is yet conflicted, and that's what John's showing, Simon Peter, even in the presence of the Lord. This tells us a lot you know, about human nature and about our experiences with the Lord and what he, what he is as our master, as our Lord, as our God, and, and, and as our healer. So he, he doesn't speak to Peter, does he, Brother Jeremy? What, can you read verse 15? Yes. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. Incredible. So again, let's think about this. From the beginning of his relationship with the Lord, how it started, I mean, all of that's wrapped up in it, right? We read in the Gospels how the day came when the Lord said, Follow me. Right. And and immediately they dropped their nets and, and, and they followed. And we've discussed at length, you know, the three and a half years of, of walking with the Lord, all they had experienced. And when you when you begin to focus on each and every individual 
apostle as it's revealed in the gospels, you begin to see that that the the one that really emerges through it all, you know, he's been the brunt of of, of jokes in sermons, you know, he's always labeled a certain way, you know, Peter this and Peter that. But mm-hmm. but the Lord selected him to be a leader. Yes. And 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 what was at issue here was his very leadership. This is the man who got out of the boat and walked on the water, right? <laughs> I mean, we all say, oh, he sunk, but yeah, but he walked the water, man. <laughs> he had that kind of a of a responsive emotion toward the things of God. And what we learn in his life is that emotion is not enough. It's a good right. quality, right? And it's a good strength because getting out of the boat and walking on the water, that's faith, brother. <laughs> but... <laughs> but 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 also jesus said he had the capacity to doubt right and, and he had this great ability to believe on the moment but the reality when it sets in early on uh he sunk and yet it shows his his desire for his lord and knowing uh his source when he cried out and said lord save me right? and the lord picked him up and said why did you doubt why did you doubt you know so he has this conflict but he's a an apostle in development. He's a leader of leaders, and that's the issue here, right? And, and that's what that's what he's he's dealing with. And we see that that after his failure, right? He had these great high points. He called Jesus the Son of God. He had great low points where Jesus rebuked him and said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." He had he had great uh, you know boastful declarations of the lord on the passover night that he if everybody else forsook you i won't and yet his boast gave way to the greatest failure in my opinion other than the failure of judas that's why it was so deep brother fernando you pointed out uh, a, a few podcasts back how how that they both had the same capacity judas and peter to to fail because these are the two that were identified you remember that you were talking about that and and uh, yeah. you, you made <laughs> you made some really good co- comments there because because the Lord the Lord made the declaration that He had prayed for Peter. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew He knew, you know, the, uh, and yet it, it required an intercession of God before the Father in advance of His failure. And right. in that prayer, it was revealed to the Lord what that He would fall that he would be converted and that's when he would tell him at the last supper when you have recovered strengthen your brethren the devil will work overtime to take away the assurances of the lord out of your mind out of your heart maybe you failed maybe you've done some things and and maybe at one time you were touted to be this that or the other you know you were going to be some great thing for god or succeed in business or whatever it may be as a child of god but you feel as if you've nullified yourself because it, it is apparent to me at this point, we haven't gotten into the rest of it yet, but at this point, Peter is yet questioning or maybe even forgot that Jesus had told him after you fail and when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Obviously, <clears throat> he hadn't reached that point in his heart or forgot that the Lord said, you will, you'll climb up out of this failure and you will change. And you will be used to strengthen your brothers. That's why he he admonishes him to feed his lambs. Because he wasn't. And we'll get into that in a second. What did he do instead? 
He said, I go fishing, right? In John chapter 21. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go fishing. And uh, and he swam to the shore. And and, and like we we're talking about on that three, uh, that those those uh, those three questions that are being asked him um, are, are 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 the roadmap to his recovery from the three failures that he had on the night Jesus was taken in the garden. So as we see, we're seeing a conflicted saint here, right? But now check this out. It says, read it again, would you, brother Jeremy? Yes. First verse fifteen. Yes. <clears throat> so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. All right, so this is the first question. He's going to ask him three times. But with each and every one, the the healing uh, leads him further. That the, the, the questions will lead him further to his complete healing, which we'll see here in a second. There's some things that we need to notice here. First of all, when Jesus asked him, do you love me? And Peter responds, you know that I love you. It's very interesting. And, and, and if you take the time to do it, get yourself a little Strong's Concordance. It's called the Strong's Concordance, or you can do it on, on your Bible app. Uh, you'll be able to look up these words and see what their original meanings are. It's very interesting because the Lord, he first asks him, he addresses him from his lowest nature. He calls him Simon. He doesn't even say Simon Peter. He just addresses that part of him. That's the issue. It's not your ability to believe Peter, right? It's not the boldness and the soundness, the foundational thing of your declaration of me as the son of God. That's not the problem. The problem with you is is your lower nature, Simon. And that's what I'm going to heal. That's what I'm going to change. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm addressing the soul. I'm addressing you, Simon. And what I want to do in the beginning of my process of healing you is going to ask you, do you love me? Because that's the issue. You failed by denying that you even know me. And I know the enemy, right? That, that's kind of just built all into this. I know how he works. And, and really what's being questioned in the most interior part of you is your fidelity to me. It is seen in how you've been conducting yourself ever since I've risen from the dead. And what you've done here, looking at it from a purely pastoral sense, by taking your brother's fishing, is revealing to where you really are. Now listen, he uses the word uh, agapeo, agapeo, or agape, right? Agapeo. It's the Greek word. But when Peter responds to the Lord and says, yes, I love you, he uses a different word. He uses the word phileo. So when Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? He's saying, do you agapeo me, Peter? Or Simon, do you agapeo me? And Peter responds by saying, Lord, I phileo you. Interesting. Because the Lord immediately cuts to the heart and says, do you truly love me in in this massively deep way? That's how he presented the question to him. 
it carries with it the sense of, of the same kind of boasting that, that Peter did about himself and his fidelity to the Lord at the Last Supper. And so he has to address that. And that's what he hits him up with. And the Bible is oh. very specific here, yeah. right? That's, that's what the Bible uh, is very specific here because John says, Jesus asked this. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, agapeo me. Do you love me at this intense level? And then he throws in this, more than the rest of these guys, <laughs> right? Isn't that what he says? All right. Lovest thou me more than all these brothers, these fellow apostles sitting around this fire having this, uh, you know, they ate the bread and the fish with you. We just had a dinner, you know, breakfast or whatever. But but he, it's almost as if he's waving his hand across the other apostles as he looks at Peter and says, do you love me more than me? Do you actually have that kind of deep love? Brother Jeremy, turn over to Matthew 26, 33, would you? And read that to yeah. us and why Jesus asked him that question the way that he did. Yes. Because we're digging in here now. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And, and read, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 33 through, uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah. No, that's good. So Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended of, uh, because of you, yet will I never be offended of you. And then read 34 and 35. He said, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter Three said times. unto him, Yes. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise, also said all the disciples. What's what's interesting is that <laughs> is his boasting in verse thirty-three. He had said, "Though all uh, shall be offended," because Jesus had just told them they're all going to be offended. All his disciples there, all of you in verse thirty-one, right, Jeremy? All of you yes. in verse thirty-one. He said, "All ye shall be offended." Because of me this yes. night, for it's written, I will smite the shepherd and the and, and and the sheep of the flock will be scattered abroad. But after I'm risen, I will go before you into Galilee, which is where they are right now in the story we're looking at. But that's when Peter stood up and said, "They'll all be offended." He's talking about his brothers. Though all these all all of his, all these sheep be offended, he goes, "I won't." And 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 then it's only to Peter that Jesus addresses and says, "You're going to deny that you even know me three times." And that's why he's asking him three times. But his boastful uh, declaration was done in the presence of his fellow disciples. And even though it's pointed out in verse 35 that they all said the same thing, that is that they would never deny the Lord. It was only to him uh, that, that, that it was addressed. You'll deny me three times. Now, it's it's un- it's it's why the Lord asks him in verse 15, do you love me more than these? Now, I want to just hang out there for a second and, and let's get into this because <laughs> because when you think about the dynamics of what's happening here, man, uh, Jesus is a master. He's the master. I love him with all my heart. <laughs> 
because he doesn't leave anything undone. Don't you don't you see in what he's saying here that we are having some things revealed to us about the personal interactions between disciple to disciple, between leader to leader. The offense that had to have been taken when Peter on that night stood in front of all his other brothers. I mean, really, who did he think he is? You know, yeah, he's done some cool things, and you know, he's part of the the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, right? But but still, we all have followed him. We all have been through this. You know, I mean, we 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 all have have endured into this Passover night, and and, and then you have the audacity to just stand up and try to be the Lord's favorite, right? I mean, these are human beings in a very very volatile state to the point that he forced it out of all of them for that we just read they all that we won't deny you right they're all jockeying for position they're all just just like us right, right. but but here the lord kind of shows us what's going on here and what he's trying to fix do you love me more than than these and he said you know he doesn't boast and say, yes, Lord, I agapeo you. Yes, I have a deeper love for you than all these. Because he's talking to him about a deep, deep love, like a spirit love. You know, that, that's that, that's what he's saying. Do you agapeo me? Do you have this deep love that you once boasted about? But Peter is in the presence of his brothers. He had to respond. I phileo you. And what that means is, I have a deep affection for you, but I'm not going to go there with this incredible boast. It, it shows. <laughs> I'm not going to go there and boast and say, yes, I got pay you like once I said, if everybody offends you, because that's what he's saying. But it was necessary that he say it out loud and that he say it in the presence of his brothers more than these. Mm. It's no longer a boast, right? It's 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 a wounded yet humble, uncertain at least Peter, you know, it, or Simon at this moment. You know, I have a deep affection for you. <laughs> it's not the same word that Jesus is using. That's incredible. All right, but it it's also restorative. See, like we were just talking about. Consider this: the Lord asked Simon this question in front of the others. Just like we just read in Matthew 26, 33, where he had denied in, or actually questioned his own brother's offense. I don't care if they offend you. I won't. I mean, that that, that was a necessary thing to, to first to begin to address, and that's what the Lord was doing. What was he doing by doing it in front of others? We would think that's almost cruel, right? I've already been through enough. You know, I mean, we're I, I've been hurt. We were all hurt. You know, we, we all messed up. But they knew. The Lord asked Simon this question in front of the others because really it speaks of the unresolved issues we've been talking about. They all knew to what extent Peter had failed. It had been prophesied by the Lord at the Last Supper. They knew. And sure, they were scattered too, right? We scattered too, but, but Peter denied the Lord. Not once. Not twice, but three times. Right. It was necessary. And really, it exposes so much that was really underneath the surface happening, happening amongst them. Yet, first 
Peter had to, in their presence now, this is what the Lord was affording him the opportunity, not just for himself, but for the benefits of the ones that he was going to have to lead into this early church movement. Hmm. He had to be humble in their presence. He had to humble himself in the presence of his brothers, and he had to admit that his love for the Lord was no less, but yet not greater than any of the rest of his brothers that were gathered there, quite different from the Last Supper. He had to make that right, and he gave him the opportunity to it, and he answered the Lord, I phileo you, yes, I love you, but I'm not going to go up where I was once before and, and, and wrap my arms around that deeper declaration you just asked me, do I agape you? I can't say that, but I, I do phileo you. Do you agape me more than these? No, I don't. You know. What you do know about me, Lord, is I love you. And that's all I'm willing to say. Right? I mean, that's basically what he was saying. Right. You know I love you. And like we said, it's much different than the Passover night, man. Peter was the leader. But his failure, listen, his failure have brought damage to his credibility for leadership. Do you understand? Mm. By the Lord addressing it that way and waving his hands in front of his brothers, saying, do you agapeo me, Peter? Do you have that same boastful, or do you assess in your own self? Because what I exposed on Passover night was that you don't even know yourself. But are you willing to admit that now, that you don't know yourself? And are you willing to admit it so that you can also heal your brothers? Because there's these underlying issues between you and them. You don't even talk about it, you know, but I'm going to make it right here. I'm going to make everything right here because we got a church to build. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he was saying. And they're going to need you. But there's some issues here that that they have that are unresolved that I'm going to give all of you the opportunity here to experience this great presence and healing that I'm about to bring to the one that's going to lead you, your brother Simon. And I want you to hear where he's at now. That's what he's basically saying. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want you to hear where he's at. This isn't that Peter that they remembered, right? This is this is a broken Peter. This is this is a humble Peter. And it's working in them something. See, these were issues that were yet unresolved, and that's why John brings them up. The first question of love was in their presence. But remember this, the Lord wanted the disciples to understand just who Peter would would be uh, going forward. Right. Because he didn't just bring it up. It's followed by his commission, right? It's as if the Lord is restoring his leadership. Because right. what he tells him is, feed my lambs, Right. <laughs> He didn't he didn't just leave it out there. He 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 gave the opportunity. He works the humility. He he displays who Peter really is in front of his brothers, who might have it doesn't say that, but it seems to infer this. There are some underlying issues here. 
because otherwise the Lord would have never done it this way. And he would have never called into question whether he still thought he loved him more than his brothers loved, loved the Lord. It was a point of contention, an underlying unspoken uh, thing that would have been a snare to them going forward had it not been resolved here. But here the resurrected Lord goes right to the heart of the matter. He addresses the boldest among them who they look to in order to bring about this healing. The Lord wanted the disciples to understand just who Peter would be going forward by telling or asking Peter the questions he asked them in their presence. And so he says, okay, feed my lambs. When you look at the three times he says, he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He uses this first word feed is different than the other two words when, he, when, we're, when we see the Greek for the word feed. The first word he uses comes from the word in the Greek basko or bosko, however you want to say it. He literally says, and what that literally means is to provide food for my land. In other words, what he was telling him, minister to them what you've learned. He's speaking in a spiritual sense here. And, and I think what he was trying to say also is that is that your restoration, Peter, will be found in giving your brothers the spiritual food that they need right now. See. Brothers, he took them fishing. Right. Precisely because there was yet a sense of, in my personal opinion, personal disqualification. He didn't believe he could lead. But the Lord mm. wanted them to hear it, and they wanted Peter to hear. See, he, 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 <laughs> he didn't feel, uh, he led when it came to something that had to do with the natural, right? He still felt confident in those things. I know how to fish. I'm going fishing. Right? Oh, we'll follow you that way. But the Lord is saying, quit leaning, Simon, to that natural aspect of your charisma and your leadership and your skill set, man. He's saying, look, this is, this is a whole new world. You need to get back to what you're called to. And it's going to begin by healing you in front of them and showing and demonstrating to them what you've actually learned. Provide food for them because they're, he calls them their lambs. He wants Peter to know that these are much younger than you in their understanding of me as you know me. And really with each question of love, the Lord gave him a commission, right? He asked him three times, do you love me? And three times he said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He was constantly reaffirming his leadership. And this is really powerful and profound here. Um, when we get to verse 17, right? Because, again, uh, can you read verse 17, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Uh, I was just going to say, Brother Marty, that there is a difference, right? It's interesting that he says first, my lambs, and then my sheep. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know what the underline could be on that, but I know lambs are considered, they're called lambs when they're less than one year. That's right. right. And, and 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 I believe in a deeper sense, which we'll probably cover tomorrow when we go more into the prophetic aspect of this. It's because all of them were going to become martyrs. Yes. All of them were going to have to lay down their lives. All of them were going to be held account for what they boldly proclaimed on Passover night. 
I'll follow you even unto death. But he wants Peter to know something. They're, 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 they're sacrificial lambs, and they're going to need what you have learned in order to make it through. You're going to have to provide that for them at a level that they haven't known because you, I have restored from the depth of failure that you boastfully declared would never happen and asserted that you were greater than them when you said, though all of them be offended, I won't. Right. Oh, come on, somebody. Right, <laughs> right, yes. My lance, right? Cool. And he does it the second time. Now, and it's the same thing. Feed my sheep now. It's a different word. Yes. Right? It's not Bosco. Yes. It's, it's it, what is it, brother? It's, uh, it's, I, uh, I forget what I looked it up. I looked it up. It was, like it's right here. Yeah, for sheep, you mean? No, for, uh, for feed. Sheep. Feed. Oh, yes. For feed, it would be... Uh, I know or something like that. It's poimeno? Poimeno? Yeah. Or, no, poimajino? Something like that. Yeah, poimeno. That's right. It's poimeno. See, the first time he tells him to feed him, it's Bosco. That's the only time he says that. And it, and, and I have the little note I wrote here. It's, it's, uh, it, it means to provide food for them, to nourish them. To spiritually right. give them, right? He was telling them, give them what you know, Peter, but not what you know in the natural. You just took them fishing, and they followed you there. And in the prophetic sense, you placed them in danger, fishing all night at the midnight hour, catching nothing. That's kind of what he's saying. You've endangered wow. them. But these have been appointed, like you, to become sacrificial lambs. They all died martyrs' deaths, right? And you're going to have to provide for them the necessary food. Look, we're all sitting here with 153 fish. I just made you breakfast. So, so you can't say that the natural means that are going to be necessary to get you all the way to the shore cannot be provided by any other way except you using your natural gifts and talents because you feel confident in that. But when it comes to the spiritual aspect of it, because of your failure and because of all the underlying issues between you guys in leadership, you can't go forward into the deeper things and you're being called to a martyrdom. So you better understand I'm here to restore that, to heal you guys and to put you all in your proper place of leadership so you can go forth and build my church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So then he changes yeah. it, right? <laughs> when he says, now you feed them, he's talking to them. Now he's saying, now assume your shepherdhood, right? That's literally what it means, right, Brother Jeremy? To shepherd them, to paimeno yeah. them, feed them, to shepherd them. That's different than provide food for them. Now, the second thing is I'm restoring your leadership. Now you, you'll be able to lead them, to feed them, to govern them, to rule over them. Isn't that what that means, paimeno? Yes, yes, to tend, to tend as a shepherd. Yes. Figuratively, uh, like as a supervisor, right? Leadership, which you yes. just said right now. Yes, as a leadership. You know, you... <laughs> so note the change, right? Again, uh, he, he asked him the second time, do you agape on me, right? And, and that's what he said in verse 16, do you love me? He's still using that heavy-duty word. But he had to affirm again, you know that I love you. You know that I phileo you. I'm not going to go there with that old Peter, that old boasting. And again, it, it brings him further. Now he's just not a, a teacher and a feeder of a recovered saint. Now he's a shepherd. And that's what he's telling him. 
in the in, when he says feed my sheep you've now with this second affirmation you've now entered into that place of position of ruler of governor over over your fellow apostles that's that's what i'm setting you at and 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 so shepherd them guard them protect them and then he comes to the third one right he uses the same he changes what he says to Peter in verse 17, right? Brother Jeremy, can you read verse 17? He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee, Jesus. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep incredible so the third time this time jesus changes the word now he really cuts down peter and and, and reveals his humility to his brethren because they're still sitting there he changes the word from agapeo this boastful and how peter might say it you know you know, this boastful, I, I love you more than anything, right? I'm the biggest lover of Jesus than anyone here, right? It's not, now he goes down to what Peter's admitting to, his phileo, right? Didn't he change the word? Yes. What word is he using? Phileo. Right. The Lord is, right? <laughs> yes. So we learn from that. He, he says, okay. Uh, but this is where it's interesting because if you read verse 17, look what it says as we get to the third question of love. He says, so he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, phileo me? Really? I mean, that's really, I mean, okay, the agapeo part restored his rulership and leadership. But now there's this final thing uh, that will forever solidify his leader leadership and restore him because Look at what John does here. He's no longer calling him Simon Peter, is he? Read verse 17, brother, just the first first half of it. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter and was grieved. Peter was grieved. Yes. What does he call him at the top of verse 15? Simon, Peter. Simon Peter, this is John writing, but when he gets to this third and final question, he calls him Peter. And what he's trying to show us there is by this by this last affirmation that's about to take place, he has become and been fully restored to becoming that rock again. He will never again in John's gospel be known as Simon Peter or Simon. From this point on, he's just known as Peter. It's incredible. It's it's a beautiful thing, man. And what Jesus, because Jesus, okay, we've gotten past the two boastful questions. And if you go back and study his denials, you'll see his denials, they all fit. And what he boasted at the Last Supper, there were two particular things he did. I think that's why he used the word agapeo here. But then when we get to the third one, he even questions what he's been saying that he loves Jesus like. Right? Right. Because Peter, all along, the first two times, he doesn't say, yes, I, I got pale you. He says, yes, I phileo you. 
I love you at at a, at, a, at an emotional, brotherly love kind of love. I'm not willing to go there. I've made that mistake before. Two times. He tells him, I phileo you. Jesus says, do you have got pale me? He says, I phileo you. Do you have got pale me? He says, I phileo you. When Jesus asked him this third time, he says, do you phileo me? And it says, and it says, Peter was grieved. This hurt Peter, right? This this went to the core of him. Because I think in that grieving, in that hurt, because that's literally what it means to be really, really hurt, right? Maybe there was like a sense of a rush of, of mental energy as he began to maybe even question himself as his as to his phileo love for the Lord even. I've proven to myself I didn't love him as much as I thought I did, but now he's even asking me if I actually love him as much as I say that I do now. Maybe I don't. I don't know as much as I know I do, but he goes on and says, you know all things, right? Right. Reverse 17. You guys are awful quiet. Reverse 17. <laughs> no, no, you know, Brother Marty, I, I'm thinking because it, it's, it's, it's very deep what you're talking about at, at many levels. You know, um, the first thing yeah. that I can, re- I, I can relate to that in, in many facets, you know, as a child of God, but also as a minister, as a shepherd, you know, you go through these processes. You know, and and I, and it's, I kind of was just thinking it like this. Many times we think we love God because uh, it's the right thing to say. Yes, sir. Or or we're saying, or we love him in a moral sense. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of like what Peter, you know, was the right thing to say and in a moral sense. But then you examine yourself, you know. And when you get to that point where you realize that, yes, while I do love God, but there are levels of that, right? <laughs> yeah. In, in loving him, you know, and uh, it, it's a process. And I like what you said. Jesus knew that Peter couldn't take this baggage that was inside of him right before the initiation of the church. That's right, brother. You know, and and but but I think we confuse love sometimes, and and we love God, but sometimes it's just in a moral sense, or because it's the right thing to say, right? Yes. Love God, and, you know. And yeah. I, I've been just thinking about this, been running over my mind, and just thinking over my life instances. You know what I mean? Where I've been yeah. there, not once, but many times. You know, and. And to see the caring hand of God uh, come through for us and, and through these questions and through this analyzation, self-examination that one goes before God. Because, see, that that's what David said, that 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 God searches in the innermost parts of men. There is yeah. truth in it, you know. I yeah. don't want to derive from the subject, but I'm just speaking, you know, on a personal level, uh, making a self-examination that, you know, literally it, it does bring tears, you know, to see <laughs> that how Jesus is, how Jesus is, you know, how he deals with Peter. This is the yeah, last chapter of, the, of, of John. Yeah. And, 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 and the same thing that he did with Peter is the same thing that he can do with us. It's the same thing that he can do with somebody who is listening today who feels yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Far from God. So, yes, brother. Just wanted to say that. I think I think I think we've all been guilty of that of thinking that we're ready to do what God wants us to do, and even telling the Lord, like Peter, you know, I'll die for you, Lord, right. whatever it takes. You know. Yes. And, yeah. and then and then we come, you know, we we fall hard, we're broken, and it's like, you know what? I thought I was ready. I thought I was ready to preach, but I'm not. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's when the Lord comes and gives you strength, and He says, "Now yeah. you're ready." Now it's you're crazy ready. because <laughs> it, it, it's crazy because I turn on Christian television, mm. and what I see in preachers. And again, it's not judging the person, but when you hear them speak, they speak like Peter, right? Who says, "I'll die for you, Lord." Yeah. And you, you you see that they're not broken. Yeah, right? buddy. Right? They're not broken. <laughs> you see that? I mean, a lot. What gave it? Now, what gave it away, brother? The the Learjet or the or the diamond? <laughs> <or> like what? <laughs> for starters, for starters. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? I yeah, remember I do. Brother Wilkerson, I remember Brother Wilkerson would say, says, all I have to do is hear a preacher for about a minute or two. Yeah. And I yeah. know if they've had that kind of encounter with God, I if they've it. been through something. There you Think go. about that. Yeah. You know, and so that, that's that's what we're talking about here is, is, is the makeup of the of the man of God, you know, who, who would preach the initial uh, uh, message uh, of the church right, in the book of Acts. Uh, and and when, when, you know, it, it, we, we talk about it a lot, you know, the true man of yeah. God, when he's touched by God, he doesn't covet the pulpit. That's he, right. Brother. He just does it out of necessity because he yeah. sees the situation and the condition of the church. And there's, there's, there's a heart for the sheep. There's a heart for the people and he goes yeah. and feeds them. My God. That's 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 beautiful. What you're both saying is very beautiful, and that's exactly what we're trying to convey here. That we believe the Spirit is is revealing. You know, for so long we've heard. Uh, you know, you've guys been along, around long enough in the church, you know, to know that you've heard these passages preached out of almost like a rebuke, right? Like I'm your, you know, like Jesus is correcting Peter. Do you really love me? Do you really? Love? It's not that attitude at all. It's right. it's such a it's such an immense baptism in restoration here. That's it. And, That's it. And, right? And 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 in and in and in reauthorization and declaration of the solid uh, surety of his call, all their callings. But like you were saying, brother Fernando, earlier, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, after post this, and like you said, brother Jeremy, he was getting him ready for Pentecost. Because by the time we get to, remember when we get to the upper room, those of you who want to read it in the book of Acts, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we already see that the effect of this event we're talking about this morning had on Peter in that he steps up as the leader and chooses the missing apostle, right? <laughs> mm. he, remember, he, he they, 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 they drew lots and Mattathias became the, the, the Matthias became the, the 12th one to replace yes. Uh, to replace Judas. Judas, so we we see him acting as right. leader there, and they're following his lead, right? How do you think that was made possible by this event here? And then when the day of Pentecost, you can't tell me that John the apostle didn't have the Holy Ghost on him, or James didn't have the Holy Ghost on him, or even Thomas who called him Lord and God, or all the rest of them, Andrew, and go down the list. 
but they all deferred to Peter. Glory to God. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they all deferred to Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, Brother Marty, it's um we think many times because Peter is singled out that the rest of the disciples the rest of the disciples did not feel the same way. But no. They all Peter said that they all were were jockeying for position, you know. Doesn't yeah. say that, but you know what I'm saying, to bring the thought out, you know. In reality, it's just that Peter, um, he just brought it out, you know what I'm saying? And the Lord used that to not only speak to Peter in this moment, in this passage, but he's also, like you said, he's also speaking to the rest of the disciples. Yes, he is. You know, uh, you know, Peter, you know, he, he was called. There was something about him, you know, he, he was, that he had those leadership qualities. But in his failures is what really... Um, I think made him into the man that he became, you know, Amen. you know, in the epistles that he writes, that doesn't yes. come from a wimp that comes from a broken man that, <laughs> that, yes. you know, so. Hallelujah. I mean, every God. man of God, every woman of God has gone through these things. You know, you're not even remotely ready. That's why Paul said, not a novice. Right, we don't want any rookies standing up in the pulpit," he said, "because you know they'll 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 get all proud and they'll fall into the condemnation of the devil." Right, let let right. their ministry first. Right, he said, "Let their ministry first be proved." You know, let 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 them let them be rule well their own house. Let them set in order the affairs of their house. Let them not be greedy and let them. You know, he goes down his whole list. But Paul, when he when he gave his resume. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he gave his resume for his, for his uh, apostleship and his ministry, he didn't he didn't talk about uh, his education in, in in Gamaliel School. He didn't talk about you know all the other you know degrees he had behind his name or whatever however you want to say it. He talked about you know I was whipped and beat three four different times, man. I was stoned <laughs> yeah. and left for death. He said I bear in my body. The, the the marks right I I I bear the bruises of, of real ministry, it's qualified yeah. me he said right and 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 the failures of our life if we allow the Lord to heal us if we allow Him to strengthen us through them they become the very seasoning like brother Fernando you were mentioning brother Wilkinson I'll know if he's been through something right he mm. said if I'll hear him for two minutes I'll know if he's been to that place with God. Where, where we're broken before him and where only nothing less than the master himself can heal certain areas of our life and restore us to that. He, the last thing he told him, you know, he, he said, like we were just talking in verse 17, he said, do you love me? He then drops down from, from the boastful, uh, the insinuation of a boastful agapeo kind of love, an all-consuming, never-failing, flinching love. Uh, Peter says that he wouldn't go there. He would only tell him, I phileo you. It's, it's spoken out of a wound. But then Jesus takes it even further and then gets down to the love that he claims that he has for him. And says, well, okay, well, do you phileo me? And it says, this is what hurt his heart the most. But in that hurt, in that hurt, in that wound, and maybe that distress, because he was absolutely convinced that the Last Supper, I would never fail. So now that here we are in the third question, post-Calvary, post you know, post-tomb, now he's the resurrected Lord. And he's yet asking me now, do I love him even as I've been telling him I love him for the past two questions? Maybe there was an anxiousness there 
and 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 a worry and a grieving and a sadness. Maybe mm-hmm. I just don't know. He says, "You know, <laughs> you know all things." Is what he said first, right? Yes. You know all things, and he needed to be able to say that. There's something so deep there, like you were talking about, Brother Jeremy, in that statement, in that first and third response to that third question of uh, of even the love that he was claiming to have for the Lord now. He made him say and came to his own conclusion, I don't even know, you know. And and in, in admitting that, that we don't know ourselves, right. yet the Lord says, feed my sheep and it solidified him it was the last piece it was the last brick in the house that he had constructed the worthy house to contain the holy spirit that was to come upon them some you know 20 days later or so 10 days later or so however long it was going to be from that point on the outpouring of the holy right. spirit right. You know, there's, there's the beauty there's the beauty in that statement where it says you know lord you know I think yeah. about Jeremiah when the Lord said, I, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Yeah. And it's almost like Peter saying, look, Lord, I don't know why you chose me. There you, you go. chose me. Yeah. Right? You saw something good in me that I can't see right now. You saw something. So I'll just leave it up to you. But I know you <laughs> chose me. I can't see it right now, but you yeah. saw it. Yeah. You Amen. see it. Yeah. And if you it's see it, then, then, then my name's no longer Simon, right? My name's no longer Simon Peter. Something happened there. That's what John's trying to tell us. He's now Peter. Because what he's literally right. saying by calling him Peter, because Peter is the faith, right? The rock, right? The, upon this faith, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He's literally saying, this is where Peter transitions. This was the last piece of the last brick in the house, so to speak, because he responded by faith. You know me. You know everything. I don't. That's faith. I'm going to trust you. <laughs> all I know is that I love you. But even then, only you know all things. That's faith. Right, right. And and then and then the Lord affirms that by saying, "Yes, be a shepherd to my sheep." Now you're you're you, this is it. You you've covered all three things. You've you've recovered. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. It was three denials, right? You've recovered it all. You you took back that old song. I love that song, right? <laughs> I went to the enemy's camp. Took back. <laughs> what he stole from me. Right? Yeah. He he stole my dignity. He stole my, my my calling. He stole my my testimony. But Jesus gave him a chance. Yeah. And he said, Now you're ready, right? Now go feed my, my sheep. Go lead them, Peter. Go lead them. It's a beautiful way the Apostle John writes, because he's showing us Peter's complete healing. He's no longer Simon Peter. He's no longer Simon, son of Jonah. He just calls him Peter, the rock. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, um, there's something here that I sense 
that I, I need to say because I don't want to miss it. And what I sense, you know, as you were speaking, Brother Marty, of the depth of failure of Peter when he denied Jesus three times, right? Yeah. Um, and then we see that Jesus appears to him after his resurrection. And and it seems like it, it could have just been fixed like that. It's all Daniel, right, Peter, man? The fact that Jesus appeared to you, all is forgotten, all is good. Let's, let's go back into right. ministry. But <laughs> the way in which Jesus rectifies, you see, because the, by, by the question that Jesus asked Peter, he understands that there's still some things or that thing that needs to be rectified, that still needs to be rectified. And, and, and the point that I want to bring today is that many times we are so quick to say, all right, it's good. Man, it was just a mistake. God forgives, blah, blah, blah. But that person never, that situation is never rectified. I don't know if I'm making right. sense, but no, no, know, that's the, good. Yeah. the complete healing uh, and restoration came by dealing directly with the situation, you yeah. know, and, and we're so, we're so quick. And again, God forgives, you know, and we must be willing to restore people. And many times we are so quick to elevate them again and put them out there again. And mm-hmm. like, if nothing happens and yes, again, right. God forgives, but, just the way that Jesus, you know, it could have been all, nothing could have been said and just, all right, the fact that Jesus appeared to him, all is forgotten, he's good, but he still mm-hmm. would have had this situation in him. So that's yeah. why Jesus had to deal with it at the root. And, and, and many times before we can, you know, yes, God forgives, but, you know, before we can be restored to what, you know, we need to deal with the the that inner situation the way Jesus rectified <laughs> the way the way the healing and restoration happened it's amazing how Jesus that's something that we can learn yeah you know we're so quick yeah. to all right do this that and no again God forgives but like I've been saying it's just we have to deal with a deeper issue or else the person will continue to do the same thing over and over again my goodness that's good and yes brother that's that's powerful stuff man and and uh and that is that is that is exactly the depth at which the lord works on all of our lives that's why we were talking about this as we get you know near the end here is because you know this is what john chose to conclude his magnificent gospel with that's amazing and and it's it it lets us know the importance of it for one obviously, but but who John the apostle was, and why he was so loved of Jesus, because love is what he writes about the most, right? I mean, the greatest uh, you know you know the greatest thing is love. You know, little children love one another. By this they shall know you're my disciples if you have love for what he writes all that stuff, right? And here he's he's showing love in its most magnificent, fully blossomed way, flowing to the Lord, to all his apostles, healing them at the seashore and reinstituting uh, the proper order uh, in his apostleship, as well as uh, the calling of, of, of this one man of God and the complete healing of him. The, you know, feed my sheep. And then let's just close with this. You know, basically, Jesus was saying, you know, be who you are now, Peter. You're Peter now. (laughs) 
uh, you need to lead. Don't don't be afraid to lead spiritually. I know you can fish because you just took all these boys on the lake <laughs> and they followed you there, right? I mean, they'll go wherever right. you take them. But right. No, Peter, it's time for you to become not Simon anymore. <laughs> Don't be that Simon anymore, man. He says, you know, embrace this. Embrace it fully, Peter. Because there's nothing between me and you. And 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 you are that shepherd. Be that shepherd. That's what he kept telling him. Shepherd them, shepherd them, shepherd them. Lead them, lead them, lead them. Don't don't give way to that old failure or the or the desperate sadness anymore. It's it's done, brother. It's over, brother. It's okay, sister. You know, whatever it may be out there who's listening. It's okay. Trust him. He knows you, like Brother Fernando said, and he chose you. Praise God. And and he went all the way to the cross for you. Brother Jeremy was quoting that scripture the other day. I, I'm fully persuaded that neither height, nor depth, nor length, nor breadth, nor things present, nor things to come, nor nor life or death, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Uh, understand that. There's no sin that, that was so great that he didn't take it to his cross for us. Hallelujah. Yes. His grace, there's a song I used to sing called His Grace. It's greater than our need. There's nothing there's no height, no depth in all creation that can separate us from the love of God. And that's what he goes on to, to reinforce with Peter in verse 18. He tries to, he's, he begins to tell him. He begins to give him answers to what, what his old personality was like and then leaves him with the encouragement of what he's going to be like in the end when he's fully established by God. He tells him in verse 18, he says, uh, you know, truly, truly, I say unto you, when you were young, you girded yourself and you went wherever you wanted to. Okay. He's, trying, he's, he's revealing to Peter the source of his failure. The, the, the term gird means to, to be quick to move about, right? And, and, and here he's, he's revealing that this is an aspect of immaturity and youth. And, and and he's trying to heal him with these words by by letting him know in a deeper way that listen, uh, it, it was a, it's symbolic of, of of where you were with me when you were young. You you're quick to move yourself wherever your emotions carry you. That's what he's trying to tell him is that when you were young, you girded yourself and you went wherever you wanted to. You know, you just go with with, <laughs> with what you fence at the moment, right? I mean, basically, that's what he was saying. And he says, I want you to understand that's what your whole trip with me has been about so far. This whole journey you've been on, the highs, the lows, the failures, the sadness, the heal, all of it is a result of, and you need to understand, it, it's because of your your youth. That's how you were then. But then he says this. Can you read, can you read that 18th verse to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, 
and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Go ahead, read verse 19, would you? This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Glory to God. Now listen to this. We, we just addressed the youth part of it. That's why he's trying to make him understand why he failed. It was, a, it was a component of your personality. You were yet immature. You hadn't been through these things. It was necessary for, for you to go through these things. I prayed for you. You know, uh, you, you understand that you, you were quick to move in, in directions uh, given to, to this. You know, you go wherever you want to go, how you felt. You know, you're, you're, you have these things. You know, but it's all part of your, your growth and your youth. But I want to encourage you. Because you're not always going to be that way. <laughs> he says, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're older, listen to what he says to him. You're going to stretch forth your hands. And he says, and someone else is going to gird thee. Someone's going to bring you there. But you're going to do it willingly. You're, and John went on in verse 19, like you just read, uh, to signify what sort of death he should glorify God with. When he says, another will carry you where thou wouldest not. He's not implying there that, that you're going to resist this martyrdom. Like you're not going to want to do it, but you're going to be taken there. What he's literally telling him is that what you failed to do in the garden and what you failed to do when you were younger when you were asked if you even knew me and you denied three times, you didn't want to go to that level with me. You thought you did, but you didn't. But I want to encourage you. I want you to understand something, that my complete work with you, my dear beloved Apostle Peter, when you get older, you will be that quality of man that you so wanted to be. On that Passover night. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. Praise he says, God. you're going you're gonna to willingly stretch forth your hands, Peter. Have confidence in these words. When I'm done with you, <laughs> where you didn't want to go before, you're going to go there willingly. And you'll let them take you there. You didn't let them before. Remember three times they tried to take you there before, but you did denied that you didn't know me because you were immature and you're quick to just go in whatever direction you think you need to go for you. But I want to encourage you, beloved apostle, you're my shepherd, you're my leader, you've been called, and, and <laughs> you're going to lead your brothers. You're going to be an integral part in, in, in what's upcoming in the birth of my church. And when you get older, John called it this way, you're going to glorify God this way. In the way that you said you would, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And I want you to know, Peter, because I'm going away here in a couple of weeks when I ascend on the Mount of Olives. I want you to know you're not going to fail. You're not going to fail, brother. And you need to know that. You're going to make it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're going to make it. I just feel that. You need to know that out there. We're going to make it. 
Some of you worry about the days that we're living in. Some of you wonder, am I going to be able to stand up against what's coming? What the Word of God says is coming. Will my children be able to? Well, we as a family, we as a church community, are we going to be able to? And what the Lord is saying is, yes, you're going to be able to. Because I'm going to make you able to. That's That's what's so powerful about what he says in verse 19. He says this, he spoke by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he tells Peter, follow me. And by saying, follow me, what he was telling him is you can now. Because if you remember back in John chapter 13, Peter was asking the Lord, why can't I follow you? (laughs) Remember, I want to go where you go. He told him, you can't follow me now because the truth is you're going to deny me three times. So when he heard the Lord in verse 19 say, follow me, it was the complete healing that he would ever need. Because he knew by hearing him say that, that what Jesus was saying to him and what he's saying to all of us is you can follow me now because I've had my way in your heart and your life and you're going to make it. He said, follow me. Thank God for Jesus, man. (laughs) So be encouraged today. (laughs) Uh, Be encouraged. You know, the Apostle John, I just want to close with this. You know, he, he wrote this story. Peter was already dead. Peter had already gone home to be with the Lord in heaven when John wrote this 21st chapter. He wrote, he wrote this about Peter. He closed out his memory of him, not as Simon, not as Simon Peter, not as Simon Barjona, but as the rock. And, yes. and he wrote to give us hope, all of us. The Lord brought him from, from absolute destruction to his destiny, from his failure to complete restoration, from his brokenness to complete and full healing. And made him a father and a leader of the church. It's a blessing because John even includes him in, in, in the book of Revelation where he, he describes the, the, the new city, Jerusalem. He says it has 12 foundation stones and upon those stones are written the names of the apostles. Peter's name is there. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a mighty Savior. Hallelujah. He's not done with you. He's just getting started. Praise the Lord. Mm. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything? I'm so encouraged today. I know the Lord's been speaking. I know the Lord's been speaking throughout this uh uh, uh, study, you know, and I think it's come right on time for many of us to encourage us, to encourage our families, to encourage our, you know, to encourage you, if you're a ministry pastor, preacher, to encourage you. We're going to make it. You know, I know for many years we've ministered, you know, so many of us, right, ministered this passage from a different perspective. But today we realized that it was meant to show us that Jesus completed the re- the 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 restoration in Peter's life that propelled him 
to preach the gospel in the first sermon at the day of Pentecost. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If God can do it with Peter, he can do it for you and me. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed. Hallelujah. We pray that you've been (laughs) blessed. There's much to reflect. Uh, You know, if you want to, you feel like crying after this, you cry. You want to go to your room and shut yourself with God. Do it. Speak to him. Tell him everything that's inside of you. And I know God will restore and heal you. There's no failure too big. There's no sin too big for God. There's no situation, no problem that he cannot solve. And we just want to, we pray that you've been encouraged as we have been today. We pray the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. And keep looking up. <laughs> 